want you to open your Bibles this morning to Genesis chapter 35. Genesis chapter 35. How many's reading through their Bible this year? Praise God. So you, you've, uh, it hasn't been too long ago that you read this then. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 35, starting with verse 1. Then God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there, and make an altar there to God, who, appoint, who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau, your brother. And Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away your foreign gods that are among you. Purify yourselves and change your garments. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make an altar there to God, who asks me, who answered me in the day of my distress, and has been with me in the way which I have gone. So they gave, so they gave Jacob all the foreign gods that were there in their hands, and all their earrings which were in their ears, and Jacob hid them under the Tirnabeth tree, which was by Shechem. And they journeyed, and the terror of, the, of God was upon the cities that were all around them. And they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. So Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan, he and all the people who were with him. And he built an altar there and called the place El Bethel, because there God appeared to him when he fled from the face of his brother. Father, words written on a page mean very little. I know that every word in this book is inspired. I know that the Holy Spirit is the author of this book. And there's nothing like having the author of the book explain. God, I believe that you, through your Holy Spirit, have a message here for us this morning. We're told over in the 10th chapter of 1 Corinthians that all these things were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the earth have come. Lord, there is lessons here for us to learn. We need to be very attentive this morning. So would you, by your Holy Spirit, open our ears, our eyes, our understanding, give us a very tender heart before you, that we might hear what the Spirit of God would say, and then anoint this pastor to preach in Jesus' name. Amen. Terror had laid hold of Jacob because of what his two older sons, Simeon and Levi, had done against the men of Shechem. And if you look at verse 30 of the previous chapter, it says, Then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, You have troubled me by making me obnoxious 
among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and the Perizzites. And since I am few in number, they will gather themselves together against me and kill me. I shall be destroyed, my household and I. Doesn't sound much like Israel, does it? Israel, a prince with God, that's what Israel means. This is the man who struggled with the angel of God at the, at the river, the Jabbok. And he said, I will not let you go until you bless me. He's the one who struggled for 20 years with his uncle. And it doesn't sound much like Israel. The God of Bethel had been forgotten. Something was needed. And what he needed to do was to retrace his steps. God said to Jacob, Arise and go to Bethel. The word Bethel means house of God. As we seek to understand, let us look at the, first of all, the place appointed. Go to Bethel. The very mention of Bethel would be enough to arouse Jacob's thoughts. Bethel to him was both a, a dreadful place. He said, surely the presence of the Lord is here. You remember when he had his head laying on a rock? And he saw also that it was the gateway to heaven. There was a ladder. And the angels of God was ascending and descending upon the, this ladder. It was at Bethel that God appeared to Jacob while he was scared, running for his life. It was a place where he found peace and courage to sustain him. And Bethel, for him, was much like Calvary is to us. Poor Jacob. He must have been in a quandary. Where do I go now? I can't return to my brother. Esau had been lied to. He, to, he told Esau when he met him at the Jabbok, he said, I will go on slowly and I'll meet you at Mount Seir. But He's been living, living at Shechem. He didn't even go near Mount Seir. I'm sure he didn't want to have anything to do with Esau. He sure didn't want to meet up with Laban again. It was kind of a situation like he'd found himself in 20 years before. He was alone. There was only one way to look, and that was up. Sometimes, even though we're Christians, we get ourselves into those situations. Even though we're people of God, 
we get into a situation where we're in danger and we don't know where to turn. God said, go to Bethel. Would God say to you this morning, return to Calvary? Come back to the foot of the cross. Come back to that place where you first found Jesus. Come back to that place where you first found the strength to stand against the world. God said, go to Bethel. The command was given. Arise and go. Dwell there. Abide at Bethel under the shadow of the Almighty. Safe from the vengeful and angry Shechemites. Bethel, the house of God, is a type of the place and condition of fellowship with God. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together, there I am in the midst. It also tells us over in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25, not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, and the more so as we see the day approaching. When we are at a loss as to what to do, we gather strength from gathering together, from coming into the presence of God. God is here this morning. Wherever two or three are gathered together, I am in your midst. I know that God is here this morning. I brought him in with me. And as we gather together, there should be such a presence of Almighty God that we can draw strength from one another. Amen? We need to get back to that place of fellowship with God. You know, it's not so much... You know, he said to me, when I first got saved, he said, as much as you have done it unto one of these, the least of my brethren, you have done it unto me. And all of a sudden I began to weep because I realized that I had hurt God in not touching my brother or in something that I had done to my brother. We need to have a good relationship with our brethren. We need to get back to Bethel, the presence of God. God is in Christ, therefore abiding in him. We abide in fellowship with the Father. Without me, you can do nothing. It is God's will that we abide in fellowship. You are to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength and your neighbor as yourself. There has to be that relationship. There has to be that fellowship. So he tells 
Jacob, Israel, arise, go to Bethel, which represented a place of fellowship with God. And we see in verse 2 a preparation that took place. And Jacob said to the household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you. Purify yourselves and change your garments. I tell you, you can't go to the house of God in your old filthy garments. You've got to come in righteousness. You've got to put on the robe of righteousness, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of Jacob's household had brought strange gods in from Mesopotamia. That's Iraq, by the way. A separation must be made. If we're going to have fellowship with God, the God of Bethel, all other gods have to go. Why did these people have these idols? These were God's chosen people. Why did they have these idols anyway? Well, you know, sometimes an idol, especially to them, was nothing more or less than a good luck charm. He refers to them here as household idols. common everyday things that you have around the house. And they took their household idols, these things that took the place of God, anything that comes ahead of God is an idol. And they took these household idols and they brought them and they gave them to Jacob. And Jacob took them and he buried them. I want you to notice there was one other thing there, and I'm, I'm not sure of the full significance of it. But they also brought their earrings. Earrings. As far as I can find out, it's a symbol of worldliness. They brought their earrings. I'm not going to harp on earrings. You be the judge of what it says there. But I do know that we must get rid of our worldliness, our household idols, if we're going to come back into that place of fellowship with God Almighty because God is holy. And we must separate ourselves. We can't smell like the world, act like the world, talk like the world, and glorify God at the same time. Jacob ordered these household idols to be destroyed, and they brought them to him. Maybe that'd be a good idea for the church someday. Just say, all right, I want all your household idols. 
I don't think we'd have enough room in here to contain them all. Think about it. Anything that you put ahead of God is an idol. I'm not going to go out there and, and, and search your house and say, this is an idol and that's an idol. and You do it yourself if you want to get back into the presence of God. I can remember when I first got saved, there was a lot of things that went to the trash can. Because the Holy Spirit would convict me and I'd say, well, that's got to go. Well, that's got to go. I, I had been out on these sea cruises and we, we would stop back by Canada and every time we'd pull into Canada with our ship we could have five-fifths of booze tax-free. I had my cabinet full of it. All of a sudden I decided we'll dump her down the drain. Getting rid of household idols. All of a sudden God said to me, you know, if I'd have wanted you to be a smokestack, I'd have put a chimney in your head. You're the, you're the temple of the Holy Ghost. You're the house of God. Jesus dwells in your heart. I said, okay. However, I don't really want to give them up because I, I have such a, they have such a hold on me. I have a desire for them. I was truthful with him. I said, but if you'll take the desire and remove it as far as the east is from the west, then I'll give them to you. They're gone. You know, it was the easiest thing in the world once the desire is gone. My desire for Jesus Christ was greater than my desire for that old household idol. Hallelujah. You know, if we don't get rid of the idols and destroy the idols, they'll eventually destroy us. Next, we want to look here at the reason urged in verse 3. Then let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make an altar there to God, who answered me in the days of my distress, and has been with me in the way which I have gone. Ah, oh, poor Jacob. He was, he was in terrible distress the first time he ever went there. Running for his life. Didn't know where he was going. He, he was headed for his uncle's, uncle's farm if he could find it. Didn't even have a place to lay his head. He laid it on a rock. All alone. He was in distress, it says distress, and he found peace with God. 
Do you remember when you first came into the church and you accepted Jesus as your Savior? That burden that was lifted? I don't know about the rest of you, but I was in distress. There were several things that were bothering me. I can't lay my finger on any one. There was too many. It seemed like the weight of the world was caving in on me. And there I found it. In a little chapel in Virginia. Do I need to go back to that little chapel in Virginia? No, I need to get back to the cross. How many of you feeling some distress these days? Feel like you got some weight? Feel like there's well, too many taxes and, uh, and too much uh, pressure on you? And, uh, and we call it stress. How are you dealing with your stress? You know, they had some little booklets out down, down at the bus garage there, how to deal with stress. I want to tell you, they left out the most important thing in that. The way to deal with stress is to give it to Jesus, and then you don't have it. And that's exactly what God was telling him to do. Get back to that place where you gave it all to me before and trusted in me before. Get back to that place. Get, go back there and build an altar. God had showed kindness to him there the first time. God had been with him after that time. Now he's distressed again. What better place to go than to go to God? I would suggest to you this morning, if you're in distress, you're just leave the D off. If you're in stress, why don't, why don't we get back to Bethel? You know, he said we're not to worry about what we should eat, what we should put on, what we should wear, all that kind of stuff. Don't we worry about a lot of things? And, and it just causes so much stress. Where on earth am I going to get the money for that? Did God provide in the past? Has he taking care of you all these years? Why not get back to Bethel and build an altar and, and, and get down on your knees and, and, and say to God, I, I'm in stress. Lord, I need deliverance from these things. Don't you think he would deliver you? Don't you think you'd feel that, that lightness uh, in your spirit again? Hallelujah. He who spared not his own son, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? If he didn't spare the best, he's sure not going to spare anything else. And Jesus is calling his church back to the altar. There is a call going out in this day, 
get on your knees, get back to Bethel, come back to that place before me of humbleness, do away with your pride. We see the effort made in verse 5, and they journeyed, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were all around them. They did not pursue the sons of Jacob. When God's people set their face to seek him, to be obedient to him, no matter what the cost, the ungodly are going to feel the presence of God. And they're not going to mess with you anymore. You'll make even your enemies be at peace with you. Amen? Hallelujah. When God is sanctified in his people, he'll be exalted in the heathen. The reason the heathen are so brazen today is because there's so much worldliness in the church. They're not afraid to talk out anymore. The church has become powerless. We need to get back to Bethel. Bethel had been forgotten. Other gods had been taken dominion in the camp. And there had to be a sanctification. There had to be a time of sanctifying and getting ready to go back. So in summary, let me say this. In verse 9, we see the results here. It says, Then God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Patadaram and blessed him. God appeared to Jacob again. See, he hadn't been back to Bethel. But once he got back to Bethel, God appeared to him. He promised God, if you'll be with me, I'll come back here and I'll give you a tenth of everything that, that I have. You remember him saying that? God reminded him, you said you were coming back to Bethel. What are you doing down in Shechem? Come on back to Bethel. You don't need to be out there wandering around, getting into problems. When we get back to the appointed place, God will bless us too. God's word will be fulfilled in us when by faith we take a stand on the word of God. Have we had a vision of God, uh, a vision so strong that all our idols have to go? Have we come to the altar of complete consecration to God? I'd suggest to you today that as a church, I... I wish that I could get every church to just seek that 
place of the altar, that presence of God, everything else will take care of itself. But I, seeing how I can't go to every church, I can only come to this one. Let's as a church begin to seek the presence of God in this 1991. Let's seek the place of Bethel where the presence of God is so evident that lives are changed. People, when they come in, will, will immediately sense the presence of Almighty God in our services. There will be such a presence of God on this corner that the whole community will know about it. But you've got to come back. You've got to build an altar. You've got to get back to Bethel. You want to get rid of your stress this morning? Let's just take a moment. Let's make the pew right where you're sitting an altar. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.